Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment. I am your uh, co-host, Jim Wiegand, with my other co-host and founder and uh, president of Converge Coaching. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm good. Uh, my day's better because we've uh, spent a few minutes talking before this. Always good. It's funny. We talked about really enriching, edifying things like root canals and tooth extractions. It, it just proves a friendship, right? I mean, friendship makes things better than, than the lack of friendship. So That's right. I, I'm excited about the episode 78 today because I, I think this is a, a difficult question for us to ask. Because we're, we get close to the people we work with. We have choices, right? Am I their boss? Am I their father? Am I their pastor? In, in a world where dollars and cents are the only things we measure, it makes a lot of sense. But in, in a world where we don't just measure dollars and cents, relationships are extraordinarily important. So tell us a little bit about the topic today. So, so Jim, the topic today is how to handle underperforming staff. And, uh, you know, I think I think maybe one of the most challenging responsibilities of a, a senior leader is dealing with their team's performance, um, especially when a member of the team is is not performing very well. And um, in our in our journeys over the last eight years with Converge Coaching, I've heard more than once a, a leader complain to me saying, "My staff just doesn't get things done." You know, and then when I, I when I dig into that with them and ask, well, what does that mean? They they say, well, they miss deadlines. Uh, they're yeah. doing C grade work. Uh, they're trying to delegate things back to me that I <laughs> I gave to them. You know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing a pastor loves more than hiring somebody to take responsibility that the, the delegates it back again. Yeah, right. And, and it's fairly common, right? This we're not talking about yes. the rare. 5%. I would say that, that of, of all the staff that I've had through the years, probably 80%, we've had to have these sorts of conversations. And the other 20%, we had to have the, hey, slow down conversations. So, Correct. so help Correct. us with the ones that we need to giddy up a little bit. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So um, just a little bit of backdrop, you know, since I spent 20 years in the corporate world, I, I just want to piggyback on what you just said. Yeah. Um, I found that having difficult conversations and making tough decisions, personnel decisions, uh, was much easier in the marketplace Absolutely. than it was in the church in the church world. Um, primarily, Jim, because in the in the corporate world, these kind of conversations were expected. Right. I mean, there was just standard operating procedure, and if somebody got reprimanded or or let go, there was little, if any, collateral damage to the organization. As a matter of fact, the opposite. Right. Usually happened that the performance level of people picked up right. because they didn't want to be next. Um, yeah. And but in the church world, it's 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 more complicated. Right. Because um, we need to have those conversations, but we have to add this pastoral heart to it. Right. This pastoral yeah. flair. And in the church world, there is significantly more risk for collateral right. damage. Right. I mean, if, I'm sure you've seen that. Oh, yeah. Well, they're they're underperforming as a pastor, but they're still somebody's pastor. So you're right. You're messing with someone who led my child to Jesus or leads me in worship on Sunday or, you know, did the VBS or my granddaughter got saved. It's it's far more personal, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. And, and I think what happens with uh, a, a significant number of leaders uh, in, the, in the church world is they, they either go to one or two extremes, Jim. They either stick their head in the sand and pretend right. that the performance issue or, or even attitudinal issue for that matter yeah. uh, doesn't exist. Right. Um, and we, you know, we talk to them about denial not being a good leadership strategy. Right. <laughs> you know, and then we have the opposite end of that spectrum, which is the off, you know, off with their heads approach, right? That at the at the littlest uh, transgression, there is just like a writing off of a staff member or a, you know, a dismissal of one. And, and, you know, if you do that, if you go to that extreme, you'll never retain staff because you'll get a reputation, right? Right. Sure. And uh, so, you know, using fear and intimidation is a bad leadership strategy too. So I, I've seen both those extremes somewhere in the middle is good leadership. Right. And, and handling these kinds of situations, uh, right? So I'd like us to talk about that, and uh, okay. really in three ways, Jim. Just three key, I think, um, approaches here. That's one approach with three parts to it, actually, that will help us deal with this difficult problem. I think better. Good. All right, take it away. Okay. So here's the first one. Uh, here's the first thing: uh, when a staff member, a team member, is underperforming, the first thing. I'd like a leader to do, and I try to do is to analyze, to analyze and ask myself this question. What are the real reasons this underperforming teammate is struggling? And, and my first step is to self-analyze. Right. Does that make sense? You know, it's funny. It makes perfect sense because when, whenever a staff member in the situation, by the time I have a conversation, I realize that because I knew it and because I, I have done it or know how to do it, I assume that they knew what I was talking about when I said it. I assume they had the same capabilities. In other words, my, my lack of leadership set up my, my team to fail. I, it was actually my fault. Yeah. And so I think that's always a good first step is to look in the mirror and ask mm-hmm. yourself some questions, things like this, like, uh, was I clear with them about the outcomes I wanted? And, and here's, the, here's the key to that. Yeah. Was it clear to them? That was it clear in my mind. Exactly. <laughs> could they yeah. tell me, could they repeat back to me what I was asking them to do? So was I clear about the outcomes I wanted? Um, with a larger project, were those outcomes written down? Right. Um, did we agree on a reasonable deadline? Right. And, um, and a reasonable budget and a reasonable... Mm-hmm you know, lag time and, and preparation time and all those things. Yeah. That's right. It's funny. Uh, having that at the beginning of that project could save all of the stuff we're talking about just to clearly communicate, you know, that, that goal. I, I think so. And then, yeah. and then the last kind of self-analysis question is, did I ask them to do something they're not suited for? Right. <laughs> yeah. Did I, and so if I, if the answers to those questions are no, then you're right. I have set that person up to fail. And yeah. that's on me. Uh, that's my fault. Now, right. once I kind of work my way through that, the second piece of this analyzing is I turn my attention to the teammate yes. and, and I'll ask him or her some of these questions. Um, like what got in your way with this assignment? Right. And yeah. I, Jim, have you ever had that conversation with somebody and then yeah, be surprised with what you learned? 
as soon as you said that, I, I, I can't tell you the number of times, especially, you know, you hire younger staff members, they're newer in their marriage, they're newer in their parenting. And it seems like, I just tell my staff now, if you're getting married, to me, you're probably gonna be useless for about a month before you get married and about a month afterwards. If you have babies, you're, you're useless to me for the first six weeks. And then we have that hard transition period where, you know, she wants some, everybody's gone home. Mom's gone home, mother-in-law's gone home. Yeah. And it's been a baby at home alone, their first child. It's overwhelming. It's nobody's been sleeping. And I just need you to come home in the middle of the workday. And I'll say, you know, if you work for General Motors, if you work for AT&T, if you work for Bubba's pie stand, you know, on the corner, you couldn't just go home in the middle of the day. But, but not being unkind, just we need to help you, you know, schedule your time better. So I think, I think when people are, when there's demands at home, it's really hard for a young couple to, sure. to balance. And they're going to need our help to balance through sometimes a, a corrective conversation. Yeah. And, I, and I, I've been surprised how often I discover there is something going on that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe uh, they're going through a really difficult time. Uh, at home, maybe they're maybe they're they're really struggling with organizational ability, yeah. you know, and just the ability to focus, or, or you know. So it could be a lot of things. So I want to I want to ask them to tell me what got in your way. Here's another thing I I, I would ask in the analyze phase to a teammate is, um, was I clear? Yeah, with you, right? And be prepared, right, for right. them to say no and not take yeah. that personally. Right, right. And give them permission to, you know, obviously we had a breakdown. So I, we, we have failed each other. I, it isn't just you have failed me. We failed each other. Help me be a better leader. And boy, that from that humble position of teach me, I think most people will feel comfortable teaching or talking. Yeah. And then one last piece to this a- analysis part uh, is, do you understand why this task or this project is important? Yeah. Um, yeah. Connecting what, I've asked them to do or their work to a bigger picture. Yeah. Brings cool. me, it brings meaning to work. Right. And um, I, I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a boomer, Jim. And so um, the older boomers, primarily they went to work just because that's what you did. If yeah. there was a sense of duty, there was, Hey, it's, it's a transactional experience, yeah. right? I give you time, you give me money. <clears throat> um, well, Millennial, uh, as I understand millennials and Gen Z, they don't think about work like boomers do. Yeah. They yeah. want meaning. They want to understand why they're doing what they're doing matters and how it contributes to a bigger picture. And that's, yeah. I think that's part of my responsibility as a senior leader is to yeah. provide that for them. And, and what better role to be in than in ministry to have the evidence of that? I, I can see where if we're building Fords and our goal is to beat Toyota, that they may not be as motivational, but someone who loves Jesus, this is to advance the kingdom of our King. You know, I think we really do have a leg up there to really communicate the story of the guy that was mopping the floor when Life Magazine came into the Apollo missions and said, you know, we're interviewing everybody to get a man on the moon. And they thought they'd interview this janitor and said, so what do you, what do you how's it feel to, to mop the floors for these great people? He said, I'm not mopping the floors for these great people. I'm doing my part to put a man on the moon. Yeah. You know, he, he had, a, had a greater goal of mopping, giving a clean workplace right. was an important part of getting a man on the moon. He saw that. So, And that might agitate a senior leader thinking, why do I have to do that? You know, I'm the boss. I, <laughs> yeah. you know, just do what I tell you to do. And and again, I mean, I suppose you could take that approach, but I, I don't think you're going to 
uh, get the most out of your team well, and over I, the long I think, too, John, it's, it's tempting from guys our age because the guys that brought us up, that was their attitude. Correct. I don't have to explain this to you. I'm your pastor. Do what I tell you to do. Right. So there, there has been a shift. And it's not a bad shift. If, as long as our generation understands that, that they're looking for partnership, well, we're looking for partnership. You yes. know, I'm, I'm not looking for an employee. An employee walks past the scrap of paper in the foyer because it's not his job. A partner picks it up because this is his four away as much as it's mine or anybody yeah. else's. So I, it really is. If we understand this generation, we can we can help them achieve what their heart needs while they help us achieve the kingdom goals. Yes, that's right. So before we bring uh, the next step into play, which is corrective measure, and sometimes we bring corrective measures before we analyze. And usually when we do that, we make mistakes. Yeah, so it helps to analyze first. So yeah. the second thing, Jim, is then to correct, yeah. uh, you know, helping your staff member, helping that teammate understand what you want and need from them. Yeah. Um, and under this corrective phase, here's a few things I'd like us to talk through, Jim. Uh, one is giving that staff member a clear explanation of the project and what you want. Yes. Yeah. You know, what does a win look like from your perspective? Right. Um, and, and, and I think depending on the scope of the project, that might need, need to be in writing. I don't know why we are so adverse, you know, to putting things on paper and, uh, and, and signing our name off on something like that. Um, but being clear. Secondly, give them a clear why, as we just talked about a minute ago, right? When I connect the dots between a project and the organizational destination, Right. that we are pursuing, it tends to raise the level of performance. Yes. Vision, vision has that impact, right? It, it, it brings excellence. It brings right. energy. Uh, and, and the beautiful thing of that, about that is once we start seeing excellence and energy, those things are self-propagating. They just, they beget uh, each other. Yeah, um, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And then just one other thing here real quick, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this second thing, is, is yeah. giving the staff member clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, spelling out the borders that yeah. he or she uh, can operate within in terms of deadlines. Yeah, deadlines is a is a word that I don't hear a lot of leaders use, but they should. They should. Um, Every uh, Sunday's deadline. <laughs> yeah. Well, well right. Yeah. Um, uh, money spent, uh, value. You know, core values. There's the parameters, right? I want you to get this done, but I don't want you to, I don't want you to step all over people to get this done because that's outside of our, our values. So that's the second piece is to bring this loving, but firm uh, correction. So what do you think about that one, Jim? Yeah, I I think, you know, back to the communicating and writing, it it does take an extra amount of time and care, but I've learned that proactive, what is that? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure Mm -hmm. that, if I say, hey, I need you to, to mow the grass, clean the bathroom, you know, preach a sermon on Sunday. Well, well one's obviously far more important than the other ones, but it, it was on a list of other things that, that were not as important, but your right. voice didn't change, your direction didn't change. So when you say, listen, here's the directions for Sunday. This, these are the things I want you to think about as you prepare a message for the whole congregation, not just for the youth ministry or the children's ministry. This is, right. this is, these are the things that this is what I want you to wear. This is the, the stage, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't want you to go way out. You don't need to do this. It needs to be about this much time. And if you need any help, I'd love to help you because I think you're going to do a great job. You know, so we, we've set them up to succeed with a list of things. 
we made sure they knew it was important to us because we gave them, we didn't, we didn't tell them how to mow the grass or how to clean the bathroom. We told them how to preach a sermon on Sunday, what it means to be a, a minister of the gospel here on a Sunday morning. So it shows that. And the other thing that I, I've done for all my staff, the staff come in, I have what's called a user's manual, a user's mm -hmm. manual for being with Jim Wiegand as a senior pastor. And the, and the number one thing is I'm quirky and you're gonna have to get over it and it's okay. But the experience of you trying to change me would, would probably be unpleasant for both of us. So let's just yeah. do that. I, I value time, so never be late. I hate late. If you're yeah. late for some reason, I take it as disrespect. I tried not to, but here it is. So, so I tell them where the landmines are before they just go walking through the field and blow themselves up and wonder why is, why is Pastor Jim always so angry? Well, I'm not. I, I just need to be specific about what's important about direction. So I, I've learned exactly what you're saying. And I haven't learned it. I've 26 years this Sunday, uh, senior pastoring here at Freedom Center. I learned it two years ago. I learned it because the staff are now, my sons are on my staff. Mm. Hey dad, you know, they're, they're close enough to me to say, hey, you're being a jerk. And I'm like, I don't know what you mean by that. You were late. I have a right to be upset. You were late twice in a row. I have a right to be extraordinarily upset. And so we don't know that's important. How could you not know that? You're my, you know, so by the time yeah. I, they communicated to me in a way that I couldn't, I couldn't, it's hard to fire your son, you know, or, or to even dismiss them, if you will, their thoughts. They've really been proactive in helping me to be a better leader to this generation yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. And it takes, and it takes effort uh, to do that. But I, I'm, I'm wondering, I think this is true that the effort spent up front yeah. um, being ahead of it is much less spent than after the fact, right? Where yes. I've got a, you know, now I've got a mess on my hands. Right. So especially if it leads to termination or, or the other staff member quitting. Now it's right. you, you've saved what 10 to one, 20 to one, the time, emotional effort and, and damage to ministry or fruitfulness of ministry. Right. It, it is much better to be proactive here than reactive. Yeah. So before we make personnel decisions, before we, we look at an underperforming uh, yeah. teammate staff member and say, that guy's got to go, that girl's got to go. We yeah. want to analyze. Yeah. We want to bring correction. And then here's the third thing, and that's eventually decide. We got to make a decision, right? Yeah. So I, I think in a lot of cases, if we analyze and correct as we've outlined already, we're going to see improved performance. I, I, I've observed that over the course of many, many years that if I do that well, I seem to get better performance out of a team. And when yeah. that happens, I mean, we should throw a party, right? We should celebrate. Yeah. Let that staff member know, hey, you did you did such a phenomenal job on that. I, was, I appreciate that. Thank you. So when somebody on our team does something exceptionally well, I'm always thanking them and yeah. saying, thanks for helping us influence leaders. Yeah. You know, because our vision is to influence this big number of leaders by the end of 2025. And I want to tie what they did. And Jim, you've probably been on the receiving end of that yeah. Uh, yeah. at some point. Yeah. I want to tie that to that big picture for them. So celebrate that. What we celebrate often happens again and happens again and happens again. Yeah. But here's the, here's the really tough part of this conversation. Yeah. You know, what do you do when the performance continues to be less than stellar yeah. after you've taken these measures? And it's going to happen. It's, this is going to happen, right? Yes, it's it is. One staff member or a hundred staff members in the next 10 years, this is going to happen. It is. And so, I think I always like to think with options, you know, in my mind, Jim. So you, what are your options? What choices do you have uh, if this is a chronic underperforming situation? Well, you know, option one, we've kind of discussed already, ignore it. 
and hope right. it goes away on its own. Right. Um, I don't think that's a good idea for a lot of reasons, but one reason you might not be thinking about is you lose leadership credibility Yes. with the high performing people on your team if you refuse to deal with underperforming teammates. Yes. Yeah. I heard somebody say it this way. They said, if, if there's a problem on the staff my, and my team thinks I don't see it, then I lose credibility as the leader. If, if, if there's a problem on my team and they think I do see it and I'm not doing anything about it, I lose more credibility. One, I was not engaged with the dynamics of my team. The other one I, I was, but I was either, I didn't care enough or I was afraid of, or, you know, that's both of those cost you. It, it, I think it breeds a lack of confidence in the staff. Yes. Like you won't make the tough decisions. You won't make those tough calls. And I think in a way that that lessens their confidence in you yes. as a leader. Jim, yes. I have seen this put a lid on the leadership capacity of more leaders than maybe, well, not maybe more than anything else, but it's right up there at the top yeah. that yeah. they we come to a leadership juncture in our life. And God has many times designed that specifically for our own good, our own growth. And we refuse to make the tough call. We refuse to make a tough decision and it caps our leadership capacity. So that's one thing you could do is just ignore it, but it's not advisable. No. Um, If their performance continues to be disappointing, that doesn't necessarily mean this is the second piece doesn't necessarily mean you have to let them go. You might be able to reassign them. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We call that a lateral promotion. That's right. A lateral move in the business world. That's what we call it. A lateral. It's a lateral move. Yeah. You know, if they're a good values fit, but they're a square peg in a round hole, uh, reassigning them, if that's possible, yeah. could be a good, a good way of handling that. Yeah. Um, and then here's the really hard piece of this decide. And that is if you can't reassign them, then you got to help them move on. And that is one of the hardest things a lead pastor has to do. Yeah, You're telling somebody that you've worked together with, prayed together with, sometimes even cried together with, right. and you've built something together with that the time, their time in the organization has yeah. come and gone. Yeah. It's so difficult. You know, it's, it's so difficult that I've made it part of the hiring conversation. Interesting. So I, in the very beginning, I, I, we make an agreement. At some point in time, you may come to me and say, my season here is done. When you do that, I'll celebrate all that you've done. I'll, I'll send you out well as you go out well. I'll, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. And, and conversely, because, you know, it's, it's not just one-sided. Everything has to be a win-win. Right. There may come a time where you're no longer the right person to do it, what God needs done with the children, the youth, the music, whatever it is. And when that day comes, I, I, you're, you're coming here because we formed some trust for you to come here. I'm asking for the same trust that the day ever comes, it's time to go. Whether I'm the one leaving, you're the one leaving. But, but uh, So from the very beginning, we don't plant the seed of we're going to fire you someday. But we, we realize everybody's an interim senior pastor. Everybody's an interim youth pastor. No, you know, other than Jeannie Mayo, nobody's 90 years old, still preaching to kids. And I'm sorry, Jeannie, if you're out there. I didn't, I didn't mean 90, but, you know, 19-ish, you know, yes. somewhere between 90 and 90. Most youth pastors will be there for a season, a decade or right. so. Most children's pastors, a season. So I'm not asking for a, a lifelong commitment that you will have betrayed my trust if you decide not to stay for a lifetime. Right. I assume everybody's coming and going, but but me uh, on my staff, every time I hire somebody. So I set up the dynamics that I'm staying uh, until God says I'm finished and then I'll be done. But I'm staying, realizing most of my staff will not be here when I'm finished. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and so there might be leaders listening today, Jim, who are thinking, you know, this is, you know, this seems like a lot of work. <laughs> and, and I, and I would say to you two things. Yes, it is. And secondly, whoever said leading was easy. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy to lead. Well, dealing with performance issues is part of your job as yeah. a leader. And if you refuse to grow in that area, it, like I said earlier, it will put a lid on your leadership. It will. It, it will be, you are not doing a favor to the chronically underperforming teammate. You're not um, loving him or her well. That's not loving leadership. I think it's lazy leadership or fearful leadership. Yeah. And, and you owe it to yourself, to the team, and to the organization you're leading to deal with underperforming staff members, yeah. uh, team leaders. Now, some people say, well, I can't do that with a volunteer. Well, why not? Sure you can. Yeah. And why you have not? to, I, I would say as much or more so with volunteers, because there's going to be 10 volunteers for every staff member. This is, this is a part of the organization, not a part of the staff or the volunteer or, but I get it. It's hard to go to someone and say, you know, that thing you've done for 20 years for free. Yeah. You'd be better off if you didn't do that anymore. That's yeah, well, a hard conversation to have, but right. And and so look, when I deal with this kind of stuff, I have to tell myself, Jim, everybody ultimately wins. The the underperforming person will ultimately win. I will ultimately win. The church will ultimately win. When I postpone those tough moments, everybody in the picture ultimately loses. Yes. Yeah. So I want to encourage you guys today that are listening. I hope that this has been practical enough for you to get your arms around, but I want to really challenge you too at the same time uh, to step up your game here uh, because the impact it will have on everybody around you long-term will be highly beneficial. You'll be a better leader and uh, the organization you're leading will be able to reach its full potential. Absolutely. John, thank you. I, I, I could not agree more with this. I, I think there's only one thing more painful than ending a, a relationship, a ministry relationship, and that's not ending it when it's over with. Mm-hmm. Not, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's harder to not deal with this at some point yes. than it would have been to deal with it. Right. Um, we're talking about tooth pain. It's harder <laughs> to, to, to not deal with a cavity than it is mm-hmm. to deal with a, a root canal. So Thank you for your time. And, and as we wrap up today, give us a, a taste of podcast number 79. Can you believe it's number 79, by the way? I cannot believe that. We're going to hit 100 this year. And yep. uh, that's pretty exciting. Crazy. Um, so in, the, uh, in, the, in pod 79, I want to talk about the peril of success. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to really bring some personal uh, points into that, Jim. When, the times when I felt depression mm-hmm. and anxiety knocking on my door in the past, Every one of those times, Jim, were times of great growth and momentum in my career. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about why that is and why when you're having a lot of success, a danger is lurking and we want to help you prevent that. Yeah. Great. Well, John, thank you. I I know we went a little long on this one, but it was really worthwhile because this is something that really, it hurts and and this helps. So thanks so much to our, our listeners and our watchers. God bless you. Thanks for being a part of this with us today. And, uh, 
we hope if there's anything we can do for you, reach out. Uh, we, we are always here and we always care. And this is what we do here. So God bless you. Live long, prosper. And we'll see you next time as we continue our conversation, as we continue to lead from a life.